the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Another well-known pastor taking time away due to inappropriate online behavior. And then, wait until you hear what's happening at my town's local library. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us. The sun has come out when Finally. you and I got here. It was crazy afternoon. It looked like it was like 6 o'clock at night when we got here. It was all dark, which matched my mood, Aubrey. I know, Brian. Tell the people why that matched your mood. So if you've been with us at all over the last couple of weeks, we've been building to today. Yes, we have Because been. this weekend, uh, we took my daughter, my oldest daughter, so the first time in our life, we took a child to college. And how are you? Oh, how am I? I'm okay. How were you? <laughs> Brutal. Oh, really? Brutal. Oh. It is It is what people tell you, and it's wow. what you'd expect. Let me walk you through the okay, weekend a I little bit. I want to hear everything. So um, I went up on Friday. Carrie, if you remember, if you were listening to the show, Carrie and Madeline went up first yes. to go get, and I had to wait with the other kids, and then yep. I went up Friday night after the show yep. and was there Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And uh, my daughter's at Hope College, and so what they do at Hope is they make a whole weekend of it. There's services. There's fun stuff. And But my daughter's off doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. And she's already moved into her dorm. Yeah. Me and Carrie and the other two kids are in a hotel. And so we're kind of picking and choosing mm-hmm. our time with her. We're here, but now you're there, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> the services, so by services, I mean like there was a... Uh, on Saturday, there was a parent, a family thing. So me and Carrie and Emily went okay. where the president spoke Ooh, and cool. somebody else spoke. Yeah. Super impressive guy. I want to get him on the on the show. Ooh, yeah, that'd Super be awesome. impressive. Uh, but then on Sunday morning, there was a service. Sunday afternoon, there was a convocation, which okay. was kind of boring. But it's like where the, all the, the professors get in all their Sounds gear and all this boring, stuff. to be honest. Yeah. Especially those first two services, they really pick at your emotions a little bit. Oh, do they? A lot of like, <gasps> we know how hard of a weekend or my story. And you're just like, here's what you realize. The entire weekend, there are just emotions right there. Ooh. I mean, they are right there. Ooh. And you're constantly fighting them. But then when you're doing the normal stuff, it's all fun. Yeah. Like when you're, they had a barbecue out on the outside in like the quad area. They call it the Grove there. We took Madeline out to breakfast. Yeah. We hung out with her roommate and their family. Oh, that's cool. All of this stuff. And at no point during those was I like, oh, she's about to go. This okay. About, so but you every were time, like able, you were okay in those moments. And then, but Saturday night, we had lots of laughs, lots of fun again with her roommate's family, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought to myself, I think I might be good. Like I, maybe I got my emotions out at some of this other <laughs> yeah. stuff. And I woke up Sunday morning. So, okay, can I ask you a quick detail question? Because I'm trying to imagine a scene. So, you leave Madeline in her dorm, you guys go to a hotel or something. Right. Okay, so she's sleeping in her dorm. Not sleeping much, right? Doing the friends. Okay. She is loving life. Okay, so she's in already. But, like, you're leaving her behind to stay at a hotel. Correct. This girl's doing great, right? Like, we have separate schedules for this, but sometimes there's blank spaces so that we can be together. Okay. So, uh, 
Sunday morning I woke up. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I might cry now. Really? (laughs) Like you could just feel. Do you know what I mean? Like when you feel the emotions, like it's like. And so then we take Madeline to breakfast. It's, you know, we take her off campus. We go to breakfast. Fine. It's great. It's great. But I almost felt disconnected from the day because I'm like, I don't want to cry right now. I don't want to cry. Yeah. And so then we go to the church service. They had like a 10 o'clock in the chapel, beautiful chapel. Yeah. And the guy, he did a great job, but, but there was like eight different times where I was like, I'm going to cry I'm right now. It. I got to hold it. I got to hold it. I got to hold it. Literally at one point, one of his points was on the screen and it just said, it's time. No. And I was like, <laughs> parents are crying everywhere, but it's not time yet. There's a whole right. day still to go. Okay. okay. So we get that done. Um, mm, wow. We went and we walked around downtown and all the other stuff was great. We yeah, walked around Holland. We had great. lunch. And then uh, there was the convocation. I was like, they're going to get us again. But they totally didn't. That's not what that was about. Oh, okay. Well, now we know. Post-convocation, it's it's go time. That's the goodbye. It's the go time. Oh. So we finished convocation. And it was almost so boring that I was like, I think I might have lost my emotion. Mm. I'm just tired. <laughs> Madeline's tired. We're all tired. So we go to... Uh, we we walk out immediately with her roommate's family and then Madeline and her roommate. Okay. And the roommate's mom was like, why don't we gather around them and pray for them? And I'm like, this is uh, not no, going to no, go. No. But did totally fine. Didn't oh, cry. It was oh, great. We wow. are, all okay. four parents prayed. That's cool. It was really I nice. Like yeah, we've like, they're really cool people. Mm-hmm. Carrie and the mom have totally hit it off. Oh, but, I love that. So then, but now we're walking. We get away from, we take pictures. We get away from okay. them. So it's just, you, like, just your little family unit at this point. We're like, point. hey, Mads, like. Do you want to walk? We were parked on the other side of campus. Mm-hmm. We had two cars. We're like, do you want to walk and do? We're like literally referred to it as, do you want to do this? Like, <laughs> do you want to do this at our cars? Yeah. Or do you want us to come to your dorm? We're not going in, yeah. but do you want to do it in front of your dorm, which yeah. was about halfway on the walk? She's like, let's just stop at the dorm. Okay. And we knew that her roommate was there because we wanted to make sure she wasn't like yeah. then going into an empty dorm room. Right. And uh, we stop in front of the dorm. Oh, no. And my youngest daughter loses it, no! which causes Madeline to lose it. And no. we all just oh, lost it. Oh, lost it. Oh, and uh, it was interesting because you're oh. just like, like I was having trouble getting out to her. What You've always dreamed. What am I going to say to my child? Oh, this makes you want to cry. Dropping oh. her off, you know? And, uh, no, it's too but I'm much. like, I'm like, I, I can't get, I'm like, I'm so proud of you. I love you. You know, we're like, and she's <laughs> weeping like, dad, I love you so much. And they carry it like, oh, I'm going to miss you. Uh, and then we, we walked our cars. So she uh, goes in and, uh, we actually had two cars last night, yesterday, because remember I drove up. Yeah. Oh no, that's kind of terrible. You and can't we even drive home together. it was going to be Carrie and Emily and then me and Jackson. Yeah. Well, Jackson, I said, listen, he had such a long weekend before. I was like, do you want to sleep? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then you should probably ride with mom instead yeah. of riding my front seat. So, so I drove alone, which was kind of nice. Oh, you could get out all your feelings. Yes. <laughs> like, and by like, ugly cry by, by like yourself? 10 minutes in, I was good. <laughs> okay, and I haven't cried okay. since. <laughs> and I've texted with my daughter today. I oh, told you off air, like, Carrie and I, they, FaceTime wasn't working well, but Snapchat does. So now, like, we're going to be Snapchat people. That's cute. Yeah. And she is loving life like she sent us a picture from the beach up at holland yesterday last night after we left good for her so it was all really healthy it was a great weekend now did she have class today tomorrow she starts tomorrow okay but can i just tell you it's as brutal as you think it is i knew it was gonna be i was feeling i knew it the whole time the whole time and sunday morning when i realized how i was feeling when i woke up i'm like i am in trouble today was it worse than you thought it would be because I felt like last week you weren't 
you weren't minimizing it at all, no. but you were sort of like, I know it's going to be hard, but I think we'll just say goodbye and it'll be fine. Do you know what the worst part of it was? The inevitability of it. Okay. You knew that goodbye was coming uh, from the day you got there. Yeah. You knew that yeah. goodbye was coming. And so it was mm. somewhat difficult, mm. especially as it got closer to engage in stuff. I could see like that. I, yeah. If I, on Sunday afternoon, as we're walking around campus, if I had like hugged my daughter, I might have lost it. <laughs> so I almost felt like I had to be careful. Uh huh. Uh huh. And like we all knew we were going to, like it's normal to cry, but yeah. you're just like, I don't want to lose it in the middle of campus. There were some parents there. Because it's happening campus. everywhere. Right. I drop off. Like you're, it's happening all over the place <sighs> after convocation. And there are some people who are just ugly crying. I bet. Just like, but there were some dead souls who weren't crying at all. <laughs> That's probably their like fifth kid. They're like, get out of here. <laughs> it's funny you say that. At the parent thing on set on Saturday, they said, hey, raise your hand if this is your first kid going to college. And yeah. all these people raise their hands. And then they're like, raise your hand if this is your last kid going to college. Ha <laughs> ha, <laughs> other people. There yeah. was a guy right across the aisle from me with a Starbucks. And he was, he was, it was my last child, yeah. you know? And so... The last speaker at this thing was this student who helped run orientation. Yeah. And it's as if she wrote her speech going, how can I make as many parents cry as I possibly Stop can? Stop it. Because she's like, she gets up and she goes, if I could go back and tell my parents at drop off, no. uh, even though things are changing, I still need you. <laughs> no. You were there when I walked no. for the first time. She starts doing this, and you look around. Everyone's bawling. She started, and I watched this dad like in front of me across the aisle. He didn't even look at his wife. He just put out his hand for a tissue. <laughs> he just put out his hand. But the guy across the aisle from me with the Starbucks, uh-huh. as everybody's crying in this place, he has his legs crossed just drinking his Starbucks. It like, was whatever. awesome. Wow. So it was a re- it's so weird to say Sounds this, like but it was, it was such a fun weekend. Sounds meaningful. It yeah. was a really memorable. We got to yeah. see her room and meet her roommate mm-hmm. and see the friend. So it was really good. Yeah. But so so hard. It sounds <laughs> like, really hard. Good job, and, Dad. But everybody job, tells Mom. you, everybody tells you, right? Like the fact that it's hard means you did a good job. Yeah. yeah and like Carrie right. even said that's to me, right. like Carrie even said to me, like what as like Emily was crying, like they're all crying. She's like, she joked. She's like, I wish our family didn't like each other so much. Aww, you know, there's that. And so, and so, what a what a special, precious thing that. And is. then you come back yeah. today, and it's life is normal. Yeah. Like here you go, here yeah. you go, here yeah. you go. So it's not like I woke up crying. Right. I've been fine. Like you just got to get your it wife? out. Is she all right? She's been okay today. Yeah. Like I said, we both texted her. Like the, yeah. that difference. But now here we go. Like it's, wow. It's also good because she's thriving already. That makes such like, a difference, right? She's texting us. I did this last night. Yeah. I did that. And I'm awesome. like, don't forget, you have school. <laughs> Don't forget. Can I t- uh, I'll tell you one funny, almost. Ke- I I was almost the creepy old guy this weekend because I got to hear this Sunday morning. We're gonna take her out to breakfast. Yeah. We're all excited. Yeah. My daughter doesn't wake up. Stop. So my son and I get to her dorm. Carrie and Emily take the other car to get the breakfast place, like so to get it set up. Oh, this is fine. And I'm calling her, and I, it's going straight to voicemail. And I call Carrie. I'm like, I think yeah. we're in trouble here. Yeah. And so Madeline is on the garden floor of this dorm. Okay. And so Carrie describes where her room is. <laughs> Stop. And I figure it out. Like, I know that's Stop. it. And the window's Stop. open. Stop. And so I started going, Madeline, <laughs> Madeline, into a college girl's <laughs> dorm room as I'm a 45-year-old guy. But you know what it did? It worked. It woke up She's daughter. like, I'm so sorry. I'm coming. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I, I was that guy. Wow, so wow. anyway, I know a lot of you have been listening. You know, oh, we've been building up. That's uh, and now she just hear. now she's a college girl. Now she thrives. Good job. And 
Good job, Mom and Dad. Uh, and away we go. But yeah, uh, I think I texted you from the road. I think I just said, that was more brutal than I thought it was going to be. That <laughs> oh, was difficult. Painful. So I know there's other parents out there uh, who have gone through that. I've talked to a lot of my friends whose kids are right there, and it's, uh, it is something. There are certain pastors and church leaders and other people that you and I talk about often, right? Tim Keller comes to mind. Uh, Beth Moore comes to mind. Christine Kane and others. Mm -hmm. And I would say if there is one pastor who I listen to the most, not on a weekly basis, not even probably on a monthly, but if if I were to listen to a sermon uh, through a podcast, Mm -hmm. the pastor that I listen to the most is Matt Chandler. Yeah, you've brought a lot of clips from his sermons for us to respond to because they're powerful. He's great. He is uh, I have always found him to be not just compelling, but just different mm-hmm. as well. He is at the Village Church outside of Dallas, Texas. Yes. So that's where Matt Chandler's huge church. This is why I was so surprised as I'm crying on my way home from Hope yesterday <laughs> right? Uh, to see all over Twitter that Matt Chandler was taking a leave of absence, or I shouldn't say taking, was asked Asks to take, to take yeah. a leave of absence for something called, quote, inappropriate online relationship. Yeah. This broke my heart when Absolutely. I read it. But Absolutely. now you and I have been going back and forth mm-hmm. trying to go, what is actually going what on here? What is going on there? And I think a lot of people feel that way. So what is what I want to do? Before you and I respond to the story, yeah. let's hear Matt Chandler. He got up at his church yesterday. And he talked about what was going to happen, and yeah. then he walked off the stage and was gone. This is not all of what he said, but I want to play about two minutes yesterday at the Village Church. This is Matt Chandler. Several months ago, um, a woman approached me um, outside here in the foyer. Um, she had some concerns for how I was DMing on Instagram with a friend of hers. Um, I, I... Didn't think I had done anything wrong in that. My wife knew that. Her husband knew that. Um, and, and yet there were a couple of things that she said that were disorienting to me. Um, and so I immediately um, came into the room. I found Chairman of the Elder Boards, Jason Swords, found Josh Patterson, other lead pastor, and said, this is what this person just told me. Uh, and then I went home. Lauren wasn't with me that night. I told Lauren, this is what was said to me um, tonight. Um, from there, uh, the elders began to look into because that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, because we cannot be a church where anyone uh, is above the scriptures and above the high heavenly call uh, into Christ Jesus. And so they looked into um, the, the conversation between me and um, this other woman, uh, and they had some concerns. Um, and those concerns were not that our messaging was romantic or sexual. It, it was that our conversations were unguarded and unwise. And because I don't ever want there to be secrets between us, the concerns were really about frequency and familiarity. We believe in brother-sister relationships here. Um, and yet there was a frequency that moved past that. And there was a familiar, familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking it's unbefitting uh, of someone in my position as a lead pastor and as an elder. I'm held to a higher standard and fell short of that higher standard. Um, so let me respond. I see writing stuff and shaking your head. Here, a couple things as I listen to that yeah. and as I read the stories. Yeah. There's the cynical side. Right. And Twitter is full of this. Yeah, you and I are. like to talk about Christian TMZ. Yeah. This has been like chum in the water. Uh, 
another celebrity that. pastor, another mega yeah. pastor going, people who have been in like the abuse world yeah. saying 100% of the time they don't share everything. This is, there's going to be yeah. more. Yeah. So there's that one angle. Right. All the way to the complete other side that says, and this is what I'm hoping for. Man, it really was a smaller deal than yeah. a lot of the stuff. Yeah. But they take his uh, and their uh, purity is not the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, a, um, integrity. Uh-huh. So seriously that they're saying, you know what? Yeah. Even this this going down this path even a little bit makes yeah. us uncomfortable. Yeah. And we are going to sit you down yeah. so you can get the help that you need and make sure you come back yeah. healthy. Uh, he got, he started his talk by saying, I want to be your pastor for the mm-hmm. rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I plan on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will be most of Twitter. If you read it right now is going yet another pastor went down. He's full of it. There's going to be a lot more. This yeah. is a power move. And again, my bent is toward Matt Chandler, right? Right. right. Like I've told, I've laid my cards on the table with that one. Yeah. I, I want to go. Let, let's let, let's let the, the, the actual stuff come out, and two, and I know I'm probably doing what I'm saying against right now, but it always feels gross to me when Twitter is weighing in on things totally. and other blogs are weighing in yeah. and, and these investigative yeah. reporters are weighing in. Yeah, Let this be a church matter and let it go. I know he's a celebrity pastor. I'm using air quotes, so right. maybe that takes that out. Uh, so it makes me sad. Yeah. And I want to, th- I want to believe the best of what's going to come out of this. I, I had a lot of mixed feelings on this. Like my first thought was just what you said, Brian, like, why do we know about this? Mm-hmm. I, and I, I get it. I get celebrity pastor, but if, if the world was right, this would be something his elders handled, his community knew about and handled, and the rest of the world doesn't need mm-hmm. to know or even talk about. Now, here we are talking about it because it is what it is. We know what we know. Um, but that piece bothers me. I, and I feel that about all these church stories we're hearing. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want elders to know. I don't want things to be secret, but I don't think Twitter needs to weigh in on it. Two, I certainly hope it's not the case, but it does feel like every one of these stories there's going to be another person who comes to the forefront with another story, another person, another person, Matt Chandler's fired a month down the road. Mm-hmm. I'm praying that's not true. I'm mm-hmm. praying that this is not that case. And I, But we've it, seen that. But we've seen it. And so it is, you're right, there's a little bit of a cynical piece. But I'm going to say something else. I'm going to have a different take, and this was my first reaction. Simply based on the language that was used, if we're not reading into it, if they're not covering, if there's not more to the story, which there might be, but if there's not, to me it sounds like, he has a friendship with a woman and they freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I think from a woman's perspective, especially when he says if he's being truthful, his wife knew, her husband knew. This to me feels like an extreme Billy Graham rule. And I don't know why a man, even a pastor, can't have a friendship with a woman. Yeah. And I think this is the problem in the church is that women are not allowed to exist as equals. And I, I actually get very angry about this. Yeah. And then I also think now what it's done is it's protected. I actually, it seems like there's not a victim in this situation. Okay. But what they've done is protect him and not protect her. Mm-hmm. And even by bringing it to the forefront so publicly, even if it's just friendship, they've protected him and not her. And so I, again, I love Matt Chandler. I love Lauren Chandler. I pray that, like, this is above the board. All is good. I think it's beautiful that he so happily submits to his elders. I think that's actually a beautiful example for so many pastors. Um, it's, I, I just, it bothers me that I feel like they're up in arms about a friendship. And mm-hmm. I, I, 
I don't I want hope the, that's all it is. I, I hope that's all it is. Yep. That's how I feel. Yep. Like. And I get where the cynicism comes from. I wish people weren't profiting off the cynicism. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I get where the cynicism comes from. Yeah. But I hope this is, in the end, somewhat of a beautiful story mm-hmm. of somebody going, I do too. we took this so seriously that we nipped it so far in the yeah. bud. Uh, but I understand why people would be like, you're so naive. Yeah. You're so I, naive. I hope you're right. I mean, maybe this will be the exception. And and, yeah. they're, and because of the time, the sign of the times, they're taking it more yep. seriously. So he stepped down for a leave of absence from the village church. Yeah. He is also the president of Acts 29. That might oh. ring a bell for you. That yeah. was the old Mark Driscoll yeah. uh, church planting world. Uh, Matt Chandler is the president of it, has been for the last couple of years, has also taken a leave of absence from there. So oh, okay. we will see where it plays out. At the very least, I think we need to be praying for uh, that church, for him, for her, yeah. as you said, for their yeah. families. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to keep seeing these. It's a Labor Day weekend yes. coming up. Coming like, up right, this it's weekend. Coming. Can't well, wait. There's something awesome going on in Naperville. It's called the Naperville JC's Last Fling, and it's back. From September the 2nd through September the 5th, you can enjoy the last of summer in downtown Naperville, which downtown Naperville is beautiful. It's gorgeous down there. It's such a cute little town. There will be carnival rides, live music, and food vendors. Admission is free. So the price is right. (laughs) For more information, check out lastfling.org. That's lastfling.org. All right, Aubrey, I, I warned you a story out of my town. So I live in Downers Grove, uh, which is a wonderful town to live in. I love Downers Grove. Do you know, can I, I know you have something important to say, but before you say it about Downers Grove, I have friends from grad school. Uh, They come into town to take classes at Wheaton. One of them recently said, have you been to Downers Grove? And I was kind of like, yeah, yes, question mark. And they were like. It is the cutest, greatest little place I've ever been to. And I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was a little like Downers Grove question mark, but it's got a good reputation. <laughs> it does. It's cute. It's fun. Uh, but it, it's, it's a good time. And so anyway, I set that up. But now I want to tell you something that is very troubling that has gotten uh, a lot of social media press in amongst the people of Downers Grove. Are you ready? Yeah, ready. On... Tuesday, October the 11th at 7 p.m. at the Downers Grove. I'm not doing a um, an advertisement it for this. It sounds like you are a little bit, but I hear that you're not. At I know you're Downers not. Downers Grove Public Library for grades 7 through 12, there is a drag queen bingo night. Mm. You can join this drag queen for some classic bingo. Multiple games will be played for prizes with... A short drag performance included. Stop it. Let me throw you one more thing here, Aubrey. Parents are not allowed. This is for only grades. Parents grade are not seven. allowed? No. Is this true? This is, uh, this is 100% true. Uh, we found it is on their website, everything. So here's a couple. Let me just go with a couple things here. This is weird to be seeing in my yeah, town. And yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. We'll see if this ends up happening. There's a lot going on. But I will also tell you. Uh, that uh, this has also been, um, this goes on all over the place. Oh, can I tell you one more point? Please. There is place for 100 people. It is sold out. Okay, so this was a, of interest to people. I'm I'm looking at the Downers Grove uh, website right now because I'm trying to find out some more about, about this on the calendar. So wow. this is what I don't understand, both about my own town here, but also just in general, 
okay, is you read about these all over the place right now. Drag queen this, drag queen yeah, you that. you are hearing about at, them more and more at, and more. And they mm-hmm. seem to always be happening at public libraries. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't understand that except to say that maybe, you know, like a lot of times you and I try to calm people down yeah. and be like, Oh, it's not as bad as you think. It's not <laughs> we this. Do. We do try to do and that. And maybe don't we? you and I are underselling the there that there is an agenda. I don't know where the library plays I'm into this. About why the library's but it happens. It it's happening yeah. across the country in libraries. So what do you do with this? Because people are like, we have to protest. Other people, we got to speak out. Other people, oh, you people are just so close-minded. Like, there's a lot of debate going on in my town right now. So I, I think the hard part is, um, one, um, the performance piece of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's adult entertainment, from what I, at least from what I understand, right? Uh, drag performers, that's adult entertainment, and so being... Um, Advertised to minors, that piece feels very, very uh, disturbing, wrong, mm-hmm. um, uh, criminal to me. Um, and and on top of that, parents being excluded. I, I, it'd be one thing. I think, hey, parents and teens, do you want to come to this? Now, I have a I have a conflict with the whole thing, but let's say, okay. Best of circumstances, parents and teenagers, do you want to go to this? Um, but without the parents and being uh, approaching the minors, this is evil. Yeah. And I do think it screams something that's going on culturally right now. And that is uh, there is an over-sexualization of our children. Yeah. And there seems to be that's a... That's what I mean by evil, by the way, just to clarify. Yeah, go ahead. There seems to be a desire amongst I don't even know how to how to categorize the crowd but there seems to be a desire to not just give a place for our kids to have discussions yeah which yes yeah, you you and I have talked about in the past apart from parents is super problematic yeah but there's also it doesn't just seem like let's give them space it seems like let's let's mold them, groom them, whatever words you want mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. so that not only they accept this, but that this becomes much more mainstream in the next generation. Like, I mean, Aubrey, you and I aren't that old. Yeah. 12th grade. I was in the 12th grade in 1995. Could you imagine in 1995 your local public library doing this? No. And I, this, I think the local public library is another piece of its that's important because the history of drag queen bingo was like for adults, instead of going to the local club or the bar, go to this. Yeah. And so again, that, you know, still problematic, but you can understand that you could come to terms with that. Maybe is a better way to say it more so than at the local library, which is sort of this communal family, very youth oriented place and targeting teenagers I'm deeply uncomfortable with this. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is, again, a lot of people I would say, I would say I would have joined this a year, two years ago of saying, oh, you're being overdramatic. Yeah. I think I maybe, would have said that too. Maybe in San Francisco they're doing a right. drag, whatever. Right. You know, let's be stereotypical. Mm-hmm. This is this is like suburban. Yeah. Like we, I live in the suburbs of suburbs. Yeah. This is 
Uh, suburban Chicago. This is now it's getting much more liberal that, than it ever has been. But still, it's the suburbs of Chicago. To have this going on in our backyard is like, what in the world is going on? So what do you think our role? Like, I live in the town. Here's What's where, the role? Well, here's what I'm literally just asking. I'm asking myself this. Would Jesus be there? I don't think so. I, so I, I can't answer that. I mean, I, I, I don't think he would be there um, condoning, certainly. But would he be there building relationships, making friendships? I don't think so. I think yeah, there's a okay. line at some you point okay. that you cross. I okay. do. Like that's just gone too far. Yeah, there's there's a million things we wouldn't say that Christians should be at in the name of building relationships. Yeah, okay. Okay. And I don't okay. and that's I think fair. this falls under that okay. umbrella that I think, we don't I think that's fair. Um doesn't mean you don't get involved in the conversation, but I'm also not a big like church rise up and protest. This feels worthy of it. So I was thinking I do think it probably is a place for protest, writing into your local library, writing into whoever the the powers that be above the local library, making a stand, signing a petition or perhaps protesting. Yeah. If you feel strong enough to do that. So my hometown Doing crazy stuff over there at the library. Wow. I, I don't know. And just so you know, I just, w- I just, just to triple check again, mm-hmm. I went to their website, found it uh, still there. up there. Yep. Uh, I'd be uh, too bad to be part of the, the the book club that's happening on that night. Too. <laughs> you just walk in for book club and all of a sudden you're going, <laughs> you're like, what, is this? what did I just walk into? I kind of want to see Brian Fromm attend Drag Queen Bingo and I see what happens. I <laughs> can promise you, you are not going to <laughs> not see that. happen. Okay. I can promise you. Okay. But again, we just need to wrestle with why is this even a thing? Yeah. What is going on yeah. here? So thought I would mm. bring that story to you. Tomorrow is the release of Starbucks fall menu, including the pumpkin spice latte. Now, two things. One, I don't like the pumpkin spice latte because I think it's disgusting. Um, I don't like a lot of pumpkin-y things in general. I know lots of listeners right now are like, what? How dare you? I don't like it. Two, it is not fall yet. Like, the end of September feels like that's fall. Okay. Early October. This is too soon. I just don't like pumpkin stuff. Yeah. Too. What's the fascination with pumpkin stuff? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what I like that people don't like? So I kind of can't be judgy here. I love Cadbury cream eggs. Oh, in Eastern people hate those. Yeah. Oh, so see, gross. so that's, you know, that's basically my pumpkin spice latte in the springtime. Okay. So pumpkin spice. Now, if I were Starbucks, I'd start it. I'd probably keep it all year yeah, the way people true, drink actually. it. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's true. But okay. that's why I think people go crazy for it because it's only a few, you Agreed. know, it's only a seasonal thing. It's like the chili at Panera. Yeah. There was this one time Starbucks had this, like, they this one drink they've never brought back. I can't remember what it was called, but it was kind of a kind of a different fall drink with like vanilla and nutmeg and cinnamon. But they kept out the pumpkiny, and it was so good. Interesting. They've never brought it back. Uh, I was probably the only one drinking. There it, you go. Okay, so the big one of the big things in the news right now is President Biden's student loan forgiveness yes. plan. Uh, some people think this is a wonderful thing. Yes. Others think it hasn't gone far enough. Yeah. And still others believe that this is terrible. It's going to add to inflation. Yeah. Or they've got uh, feelings of like, it's not this fair. is not fair. Yeah. Or why, the, why student loans and not car loans, whatever mm-hmm. else it might be. So people are across the board. I want to talk about this, but not in relation to the actual program. Okay. Not in relation to do you or I think it's a good okay. policy or okay. not. I actually don't know. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. You're not an economist. I am not. Yeah. But what I am is a pastor. 
And so what is what has worried me is the way people have been handling the word of God around this. So what do I mean? Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, all of them <laughs> right. have been full of people posting, um, well, Jesus canceled all your debt for free. <laughs> have you seen this? Amen. No, I haven't seen <laughs> uh, Other people. Jesus paid it all, like quoting oh, the, the this. No. Wow. Oh, the okay. Israelites, they had the Jubilee where all debts were canceled. There. Yep. And this and that. And, but for me... <laughs> This feels really problematic. Go ahead. Well, I know. I think I know where you're going with this, but I want to know why it does. Why why this bothers me? Why this feels problematic to you. Because this is classic taking stuff out of its context and going, we're going to... 100%. Because if you're going to believe that about student loans, then you should believe it about my car loan. (laughs) You should believe it about my mortgage. You should believe it about whatever else it might be. Right. These all fall under that umbrella. Then why? The Bible doesn't say student loans. It said loans, right? Right. (laughs) Then you should believe this about... I've got lots of Bible verses I could give you about court cases in the Old Testament and this and that. But I, I think what really bothers me is the willingness people have, and it shouldn't it shouldn't surprise me. People are doing this, like we said, in the abortion debate. They're doing it in yeah. other things. Pulling verses out and to just being like, I'm going to win with the Bible right now. So <laughs> right. if you're in a debate with somebody, uh, this is another one I've seen a lot of. Yeah. You know, uh, in the uh, Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, he showed undeserved grace to the younger son, and the older son was just mad about it, yeah. about the grace. Yeah. In this debate, a lot of us are acting like the older brother, unable right. to be happy right. for the grace. Or Jesus told another parable yeah. where some people worked all day and other people worked for an hour and they yeah. were paid the same amount. Yeah. You should be happy for the grace. And I want to be like, time out, <laughs> time out. Those have nothing to do with our with government paying debt. off your student debt. You can make wonderful <laughs> arguments for student loan forgiveness right? that don't cl- take the Bible verse out of context and go, mm. here you go. Yeah. Uh, but p- people think that's the drop the mic moment, right? Yeah. They it's do. It's really funny. I'm, I'm taking an Old Testament uh, like postgraduate class right now. And one of the things that we're learning about is that so often we forget the, this is the language John Walton used. He's an Old Testament scholar. I used that, to go to church with him. Okay, so you know um, that, that the Old Testament has like cultural, its own cultural rivers, right. right? And its own cultural context, its own cultural world. This is true of the New Testament as well. And so often we just assume things were in that river from like American Western yes. modernity that simply weren't there. And so you really ought not to take the scripture outside of its own context to try to justify your ends. Now, there are other places in scripture or other methods or values or things you can find. But like to, it's a, just a total misappropriation of the word of yeah. God. Yeah. So somebody in this Christianity Day, they, they kind of compiled some things people are saying. Mm-hmm. What would it look like to take seriously God's condemnation of usury and predatory lending that creates debt? To return ancestral land and release people from unjust debt as participants. Those are all good things, but Mm -hmm. let's not then pick and choose, right? You know what I'm paying every month? A mortgage. Right. You know what a mortgage (laughs) has on it? Interest. (laughs) I'm fine. Like, if people, if economists and others want to justify the student loan, I'm good. Fine. I don't have a problem with it. I don't. But man, do I have a problem with it when people start going, Mm. 
You know what? If you're not for the student loan forgiveness, mm. you're not. You do not you're grasp not God's Christian. grace in your life. You yeah. do, you can't grasp what Jesus did because yeah. Jesus paid it all, <laughs> and you're not willing to do that for your neighbor. Okay, I'm not sure those are the same. And, and well, I get, also that doesn't hold up. Like I couldn't go to my mortgage lender and be like, Jesus paid it all. There you so go. I don't have to pay you anything. I, I see what you're saying. I see why. This and we is really, I'll close it here. Okay. We really need to do well when we handle scripture. I think that's it. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. to help us, if we don't, what are the results? Uh, I mean, I think ultimately the results are what we're seeing right now in the world, which is Christians so divided over topics because we just haven't. We haven't, um, I I want to be careful because this isn't just about mental assent to the right things doctrinally. It really is about understanding the heart of God and the story of God and the salvation of God that's given to us through the special revelation of scripture. Exactly. So handle scripture well, friends, because if you don't handle it well, here's what's going to happen. When you invite your neighbor, your friend, Mm. your coworker, whatever to, to study scripture, they're going to go. I don't know. Every time you talked about it, it seemed to always favor what you wanted to do. <laughs> oh, that's a good and point. And it always seemed to favor the politician that you were voting mm. for. So it's my kids last week of summer, and I wish I had a lot of fun things planned for them, but basically I'm done. I've decided summer's over, so we'll There see. you go. All right, Brian. Well, um, I don't know if you saw this, but Lindsey Graham was in the news this, uh, it might have been this weekend, saying some interesting things about the investigation um, against Donald Trump. I want us to listen to what he had to say and then not necessarily have a conversation about it, but about the way leaders talk. Okay. Let's take a listen. Say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. All right. So short, short statement by Senator Lindsey Graham. He's on Fox News saying that essentially that there will be riots in the streets if the prosecute if there's a prosecution against Donald Trump. Now, there were people on Twitter talking about this. Ray Chang, who's the president of the American Asian Christian Coalition, he said this. Is this a promise or a threat? Is Lindsey Graham going to lead the riots? Leaders should be measured with their words. What happens if there are no riots? What happens if there are riots because of what he said? We know rhetoric incites violence. So why? Of course, the other side was saying, hey, I, you know, I agree there will be riots because he should not be prosecuted. Others saying, sure, there might be threats about riots, but that doesn't mean justice should stop. More than anything, I'm concerned with sort of the evocative language used by our political leaders to try to incite something. I don't know that he's necessarily trying to incite violence, but he's trying to incite something. So let's take this a couple different ways, uh, because I think you're right to highlight that this is problematic. At the very best, what you can say is he's using, um, you know, he's exaggerating for effect, right? right? Like, but here's the deal, Aubrey. There is an element here where you could say, no, no, he's, this is a threat. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons you can say that is because we are a year and a half away from an insurrection. I was literally just thinking that like, this feels to me too close to January 6th where there was a riot and it was devastating. Yes. And so even if this, this is why I don't believe that this is just done for like, oh, I'm just over speaking, you know, this, that. 
I think this is meant to scare people. It's fear mongering. It's fear mongering. So there is a feel of, hey, you remember what happened on the 6th? Something like that would happen again. Mm -hmm. And people, leaders who do these kinds of things by threatening violence, threatening um, anything, but particularly violence here. Uh, they're doing it with a purpose. The, mm-hmm. He knew mm-hmm. what he, he's yeah. a smart guy who's yeah. been in politics for yeah, a long that's time. True. That's true. And so I don't this is not even about what you think about the raid exactly. of President Trump, former President Trump. Right. That's not this is about leaders yeah. who are regularly called to be the voice of reason. Yes. To be the voice. But that's not what our politicians do anymore. This yeah. is the sad part. This is what and I think I can say this with with great um Confidence. Yeah. Our politicians aren't good leaders anymore. It feels that way. Brian. They're not good leaders. Yeah. They're fear mongers. They're powerful. Yeah. They're power hungry. They're yeah. narcissists. And yeah. this is what the problem is. Yeah. Lindsey Graham, if he was care, if he cared about leading mm-hmm. well in the country, he would say, this is what, you know, we need to just let it play out, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you say to t- mm-hmm. to bring down uh, the emotion. But instead it's, I got to get my base riled up yep. for the elections that yep. are coming up. And just yep. in case they do do something and take right. this, they need to know that there could be trouble coming. You know, I, it does worry me. You know, people lose elections. People get indicted. People do whatever. And, you know, uh, a Supreme Court overturns a law, whatever. And our first reaction is right. right. Yeah. On both sides. That yeah. can't be a civilized society cannot continue if your first inclination is we're going to burn things down. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go and throw rocks. We're going to you just can't function that way. Yep. But somehow this is what worries me. This has become normative talk. It's become normative and it's trickling down to the to individuals yeah. where people are treating other people with vitriol and with hate and inciting violence personally between like image bearers of God in a way that is absolutely scary, disturbing, sad, wrong. And it's I, I hate seeing this. Yeah. I hate seeing this in America's leaders. Like I I just feel like I wish I could say we're better than this. But we're not. But we're not. Our our, this our is politicians who we are. are our not. Politicians are not. And so then increasingly our our people are not. Yeah. And and yeah. And this is what's this is what's so worrying. And this is why we you and I, the constant drumbeat we have here is Christians. You've got to step into this and not pour gasoline on the mm. fire. You need to step into this and speak Jesus talk, right? You need yeah. to speak um it doesn't mean that you don't believe in things. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion about what happened at President Trump or right. about right. Right. Roe versus Wade or about any of this. Yes, we all have opinions. We mm-hmm. all but to call for violent overthrow or to call for rioting or to threaten fear mongering or whatever is not helpful. Yeah. And I don't think but all too often this is where Christians are at right now. Yeah. They're le- they're eating this up and taking their marching they orders are. and it's so discouraging. It's so discouraging, it's so disturbing. It does make me wonder like are we not are we not discipling people well, those of us who are in church leadership and those Christians who are sort of falling for this stuff hook, line, and sinker and thinking this is the right way to go. Like, where are we? I just, I I feel very concerned for the state of many Christians because of this kind of thing. And I think just to bring it home to the church, like, let's let's be slow to anger, right? Just mm-hmm. like just like James talks about, right? And um, 
be mindful of your speech. Speak to one another. Treat one another in the way that honors each other. And and don't fall prey to some of this fear-mongering, insightful language that our leaders are using. Like, just kind of let a little, like a warning sign go up in your spirit. Bring it before the Lord. Is this good or is this unwise? And then react before you just buy all of this. Anyway, that's a crazy world we're living in right now, It is. It's Labor Day week coming up where this is the traditional last week of summer. So even though your kids may be back at school or whatever else, uh, we hope that you have some end of the year. Go get ice cream. Oh, that's a good idea. Go get ice cream. Grill out in the backyard. Go for a nice walk. Whatever else it might be. Uh, because fall is coming. All right. That's All right. right. Speaking of summer, baseball. You know that I love baseball. I know you love baseball. What you probably never knew before uh, is that I also, as a kid, and pass this on to my son, love baseball cards. <gasps> my husband loved baseball cards, too. Yeah. And, and uh, baseball cards are fun and a good way to get like your kid into the game. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people... Uh, especially of like my dad and your dad's generation, they collected baseball cards, but then their mom threw them out. You always oh, hear those yeah, stories sadly, or, right. or they didn't take care of them. Like nobody ever thought they'd be worth anything. Mm-hmm. If that's you, I'm about to maybe hurt your feelings right here because this is pretty crazy. Did your mom throw out a 1952 Mickey Mantle card, Ooh. a mint condition uh, Mickey Mantle card sold for $12.6 million Sunday, blasting into the record books as the most ever paid for sports memorabilia in a market that's grown exponentially lucrative. Unbelievable. If you've ever known any uh, baseball card stuff, you know that it's always about the Honus Wagner card. Yes. Uh, and Honus Wagner, yeah, like you're like, yes, it is. <laughs> no, I actually knew that. I don't know how, but I did know that that was a big card. That has always been the record, and the record he sold, that one sold for $7.25 million the century old Onus Wagner card, but this Mickey Mantle card uh, has now, it was always, they said, because of its near perfect mint condition and its legendary subject, the Mantle card was destined to be the top seller. So now it's sold for $12.6 million. Some people just have too much money is what this really says. I was thinking somebody's got enough money that they're like dropping $12.6 million on a baseball card without even thinking about it. They're like, yeah, I can justify Twelve million dollars on this. Yep, absolutely. That's a lot of money. Did you know that Mickey Mantle was born in Oklahoma? I did know this. Yeah. I, I do. Not I, a I lot read of people a, know that. I read a biography uh, of Mickey Mantle, and so uh, I do know a lot about that. But I even think when I was a kid, baseball cards became like everyone was like, "I'm going to, you know, send my kid to college with baseball yeah. cards." Guess what? My daughter just went to college, not paying with it oh, with my so many baseball cards because you might not know this. What happened? is by the time I was a kid in the 80s or so, the baseball card uh, world just got oversaturated. Tops, Fleer, Donruss. Interesting. All of these. And they just made a ton of them. And so, so they stopped being as valuable? Be- what makes them valuable is not just how good the player is, but the scarcity of it. That's why the Honus Wagner card. That's why, that the, why Mickey the Mickey Mantle card. card. Oh, I it's didn't realize scarcity that. and okay. condition. If it's in a mint, mint condition okay. or near mint, and there aren't many of them, okay. now you have a ton. I could have a mint... Ken Griffey Jr. rookie yeah. card that we all thought we would make all this money but on. But it's no big deal because everybody has them. Everybody has multiples of them, so uh, it doesn't okay. matter. Oh, so that's how sad. baseball cards Over work. Oversaturation in the market. Can I tell you the other things that are selling like hotcakes? I would this love is now, to hear this. This is now going to mess with you. Okay. 
because this gets into our childhood. Uh, recently, an unopened mint conditioned box of Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Hold on. I say Mario. I do. I do. Mario. Mario. Okay. Yep. Sold for, it might have been in the millions, if not just the hundreds of thousands. Wait, the game? The game. Shut an up. unopened box. Those are now huge collector's items. Come on. Uh, a Mike Tyson's punch out sold for a ton. These things that we had. The Come reason on. they know this is because a dad had bought Super Mario Brothers for his kid when they were little and then forgot about it and left it in a drawer. Stop found it. it 35 years Stop later. It. I need to find out how much this actually sold for. Uh, but isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, so there are things from our childhood had we just not played with. But you would have never no, known it. Never, never, never. I would have never in a million years thought that'll be worth a million dollars. Yep. Wow. Yep. Oh, this one will get you the unopened Cabbage Patch dolls. That's what I was just thinking. All My Little this. Ponies. Uh, so. Uh, wow. Okay. Th- this is going to get you. This People is going to get you. a lot of money on their hands. Here it is. In 2021, the unopened box of Super Mario Brothers sold for $2 million. Unbelievable. It had to be sealed and it was unopened. Wow. Uh, an unopened Whoa. Nintendo 64 Super Mario Brothers from 1996 sold for $1.56 million. What? I recognize. And I recognize these boxes. That's the crazy part. Like, we not only did we have these games, we all at some point had the sealed, unopened version, but Who is buying those? Again, people with a lot of money. I guess. It's not like museums or anything. It's like actual, like, just a dude wants them. Which gives us a way to end this show. Over at BuzzFeed, they did this. 18 funny ways people would spend a million dollars if they couldn't spend it on themselves. This started on Reddit where they asked this question. You're given $1 million provided you can't spend one cent of it on anything practical to anyone. If you could spend the money in such a ridiculous way as to make the giver laugh, you'll get another million to spend as you please when the first million is gone, how do you spend your million? Oh, this is crazy. So anything come to mind? Let me just read some of these okay, and then we'll end with what you would do. Okay. Number one, I'd hire a bunch of private detectives to spy on each other. <laughs> That's funny. Number two, I'd probably use it to commission some very fancy outfits for animals. I'm talking about ducks in tuxedos or armadillos dressed for cotillion. That's good. Uh, Make a million dollar jello lake. Wow. Buy all of the old stock pogs left <laughs> in the world and drop them over a major city from a blimp. <laughs> I'd buy an island in Missouri just to make people go, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Start a luxury car destruction derby league. That's awesome. Place ads that play immediately after a news segment in the middle of the news programming. That's <laughs> literally just a five second sound of somebody having gas. <laughs> I'd buy a Super Bowl ad and have it rickroll within the first five seconds of it starting. I love that idea, actually. And so they keep going on and on. Uh, This is funny. I would buy those uh, balls that when they're submerged in water, they look invisible. Uh, Not the super small ones, but like the size of a baseball. Then go around as many swimming (laughs) pools as I could with the amount I have and fill them. That's funny. I'd start a contest giving away $500,000 to anyone who can find where I've buried it. <laughs> I'd spend $500,000 on completely misleading clues, a TV crew, and advertising. Build up a ton of hype and then never release the film series or announce anything about the winner oh. who we'd signed to secrecy. Oh, that's funny. So what would you do? Anything come to mind? 
I mean, I, mine is always around Disney. I feel like I would take... But you can't spend it on yourself here. No, I would, like, send a bunch of friends there. Like, I would be, like, I'd see if they would, like, shut it down for a night and, like, have a big party there and just send my friends there. These are perfect. I'd get a hot air balloon stuffed with $1 million worth of glitter, and then I'd release it <laughs> over the city. People are so creative. I love I love that one. A set of horse rugs in the theme of human costume onesies. Oh, now that's just strange. I don't know. The most insane cat things money can buy. I would do that. <laughs> Pay a famous band to play a three-hour concert to a huge 10,000-seat empty theater with wow. no recording devices. <laughs> I, I like that one. That's I'd a hire one. a cast of believable Brad Pitt impersonators. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's and lastly, really funny. I'd give a t-shirt maker a million to make a t-shirt that said... I gave a guy a million dollars, and all I got was this stupid T-shirt. Oh, that's clever. These that's really fun. good. So yep. what would you do with a million dollars if you had to spend it in a completely ridiculous way? Wow. Those are the kind of things we think are funny around here. It's pretty fun. I like it. Did anything come to mind for you? No. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. All because right. this isn't the way my mind works. You, I'm like, I would save it. I, I would pay, pay for bills, my kids. Pay, I would do this. Pay off the braces. And this is what makes this so funny is like you're like. You know what I would do? Charlie Sheen did this once. What? When he wanted to catch a famous home run ball. Yeah. He bought the entire outfield section. Hilarious. At the stadium. That's what you would do. But then the home run, no home runs were hit that game. Oh, sad. But I think I would do something like that. Yeah. That would be really funny. Yeah. So what would you do? Talk about it around the dinner table tonight. I'll bet you there are some funny answers. Well, we're glad that you're with us tonight. We will be back tomorrow from 4 until six. Until then, we hope that you have a great evening. For Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.